0: PR Lies, Understanding Our Enemies, More Kitty Porn, Biden Corruption Cover-Up. I'm Mark Paquita, and we'll explore these topics today on episode three of the United American Show. Welcome. I hate it when the mainstream media lies. It makes me angry. Because they lie non-stop. it seems I'm always on a slow boil. And I get the most upset when they're devious in the way they lie. I have a great example of this with NPR, National Public Radio, one of America's most trusted sources for news, as I spoke about in last week's episode in the segment at 10 minutes and 57 seconds, which I've named the 80% problem. NPR ranks as the seventh most trusted news source for all Americans, behind the Weather Channel, the BBC, PBS, the Wall Street Journal, CBS and the Associated Press, with trust this high, their lies get accepted by many of their audience as fact. Devious lies like the one I'll talk about are even worse. We have a national fight going on—a silly, stupid, at least in my opinion, fight over drag queen story hours and kitty drag shows. No responsible adult thinks it's okay for men dressed as women often scantily dressed, so their equipment is exposed or accentuated to draw attention to it or them to perform for kids. If you do, you're a pedophile, child abuser, and moron all in one package. Disingenuously, NPR published an article titled Poll, Dangers for Both Parties on the Economy, Crime, and Transgender Rights. A link to it is in the show notes. In it, The author, a Domenico Montanaro writes, Republican governors, legislatures and candidates across the country have focused on gender identity issues, something they see as a political wedge issue. There is some evidence for that. 50% in the 2022 midterm exit polls, for example, said society's values on gender identity and sexual orientation are changing for the worse. And there has been an increase in support for criminalizing gender transition-related medical care for minors. From 28% in April 2021 to 43% now, almost two-thirds of Republicans support it. But Republicans risk going too far. A majority, 54%, still oppose criminalizing this type of medical care, including 56% of independents. There is also a big split between parents of children who are under 18 and those without kids. 59% of parents support criminalizing the practice, while 59% of people who aren't parents are opposed. What's more, a majority of respondents said they oppose laws that would restrict drag shows or performances in their states. Earlier this month, Tennessee passed a bill to do just that while in more than a dozen other states, there are GOP efforts afoot to do the same. But the majority is not on their side. 58% oppose such laws. Republicans, on yet another issue, stand out against the majority, as 61% support these laws. Just a quarter of Democrats and fewer than four in 10 independents do. Did you see what they did here? How they camouflaged the deception? They start out saying Republicans have focused on gender identity as a political wedge, then slide into talk about states passing laws prohibiting gender-affirming hormone treatments, nothing less than chemical castration, and surgery, nothing less than mutilation for children under 18. Finally, they get to drag shows where they say, and I repeat, A majority of respondents said they oppose laws that would restrict drag shows or performances in their states. Earlier this month, Tennessee passed a bill to do just that, while in more than a dozen other states, there are GOP efforts afoot to do the same. But the majority is not on their side. 58% oppose such laws. Republicans, on yet another issue stand out against the majority as 61% support these laws. Just a quarter of Democrats and fewer than 4 in 10 independents do. What's missing? Children. The poll question didn't mention children. The question from the poll was, do you support or oppose laws that would restrict drag shows or performances in your state? As we covered in last week's episode, over 80% of Americans don't care or don't pay attention to politics. How many respondents to this question didn't know kids were being exposed to drag queen shows? How many didn't know this and answered as they did because they believe in freedom of expression and in the you-do-you, I'll-do-me concept of America? I have found most journalists to be meticulous in getting down in words exactly what they want to convey to their audience. They may make spelling or grammar errors, but not content errors. In my opinion, this was not unintentional, either on the part of the writer or the polling organization, which was Marist College in upstate New York. There is, in my opinion, a concerted effort by both journalists and academics from news outlets like NPR and institutions of higher learning like Marist to drive a wedge between Americans. And this is just one example of how they do it. I want to talk about politicians for a moment, and this will probably be a theme that I'll reinforce in future episodes. As you may know, I was a candidate for U.S. Senate in 2022 in Ohio. I ran as a Republican. I got slaughtered. It was expected. When I say my defeat was expected, it was because the circumstances changed. When I got in the race in late 2019, it was simply to provide a primary challenge to Rob Portman, our sitting U.S. senator at the time. He was going to go into reelection, the primary, uncontested because he was an incumbent. Rob Portman dropped out, Because he knew he couldn't get reelected, because Ohioans were not happy with his move to what I will call the Mitt Romney Republican Party, as opposed to the grassroots Republican Party. And it became a horse race. We had seven, eight, nine candidates in the race at any given point in time. And JD Vance prevailed, and he ultimately won in the general election. And I think JD's doing a a well-above-average job as Ohio's uh, newest junior U.S. senator. But I got to see how the sausage was made. I spent about a half a million dollars of my own money getting up what I like to call an on-the-job Ph.D. in political science. And I also got to understand the organization of political parties and how they operate and how dysfunctional they are. I'm going to be talking mostly Ohio here. Other states are similar to Ohio with minor differences. One of the one of the things we need to do to change the way we are governed in the United States is that every office holder, especially at the federal level, receive a primary challenge by one or more challengers. And we need to let the the voting public, the constituency of the party Choose the person who goes forward, the candidate who goes forward to the general election. We we can't continue to allow the party machines, the party machines of both parties, to continue hand-selecting and picking the candidates that they want, even though those people are antithetical to what we want. The bottom line is it's a rigged game for party insiders of both parties, primarily those who are elected and have worked the system to their personal advantage, they've probably brought a unique ability to the table either to raise money or willingness to do favors for people or anything it takes to get ahead. Because both parties are culpable in this rigging and manipulation Uh, We essentially have a uniparty, one party made up of insiders, and those insiders are primarily people who have been elected to office. And because of the manipulation, we can almost never get rid of them. And it's amazing how many people once elected join this uniparty. It has to be something that's very compelling and very intoxicating. And I'm not suggesting that everybody in the Uniparty is corrupt. There is a section of the Uniparty that is corrupt, and then there's a section of the Uniparty, a faction in the Uniparty that just looks the other way. They're willing to look the other way because all they care about is getting reelected. And they would risk getting reelected if they called out the stinkers in the Uniparty. So let me do a quick recap of the past few minutes. We've got two major parties in the United States, both of them dysfunctional, not doing what we want them to do, but doing what they want to do. So the power hierarchy is upside down. We outnumber, for example, federal uh, elected officials by over 600,000 to one. So there are 600,000 Americans who are represented by one person in D.C., one of the 537 people who are elected to federal office. So we've got this uniparty that is made up of insiders, people who have been elected, and the fight is not Democrats versus Republicans. The fight is not conservatives against liberals. The fight is not straight white men against gay black men. The fight is insiders, elected official versus outsiders, us, but the insiders have to keep us fighting with each other, distracting us so they can stay in office. One of the concepts I want everybody to understand is that 80 to 90% of the people in elected office, especially at the federal level, are either corrupt or looking the other way as the other members of the uniparty party do corruption. And why do they do that? They do that because they want to get reelected. Everything these politicians do, that 80 to 90% is about reelection. Every decision they make is about reelection. Every vote they take is about reelection. Every donor they talk to is about reelection. The minute an election is over and they've won, they are planning and working on their reelection next election period. So you just need to understand that. And and the problem is the 80% of the people out there who aren't active in politics and don't understand this yet are voting are good people who want to be able to trust their politicians. And you cannot do that. And it's it's not it doesn't feel right for them to be so cynical, to have such a lack of trust, uh, to not have faith in these people. But, but until we manage to convince more American voters that this is the, 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 both the ethical and the psychological and the sociological profile of these elected officials, we will never make progress in making change. And the other concept I want to get across is that this is a rigged game. The uniparty rigs the game against anybody that would threaten their reelection and their continued positions in power. as i said in last week's episode the left accuses republicans of wanting to ban books when we ask that pornographic or sexually explicit content not be available for access in places like public school classrooms and libraries this is a lie and they are sick wanting this material in front of our kids i hope you're aware that a tactic parents have used to fight this child exploitation is to read from these books at school board meetings during the public participation session. I hope you're also aware that, ironically, many of these parents have been reprimanded or barred from future testimony by board members for reading vulgar or profane materials at a meeting. Yet those very same board members are okay with these materials being available to our kids. It doesn't make any sense. It's not supposed to. To piggyback on this strategy, I will read out of some of these books in every episode in hopes it will be helpful in awakening sleeping parents. I've also given you links to lists of these books to allow you to work to get this vile filth out of our schools. Check the show notes for links. This week's gem is titled Last Night at the Telegraph Club by Melinda Lowe. She wanted to touch Kath's skin. She tugged the hem of Kath's blouse out from her skirt and slid her hands beneath it. And finally, she felt the warm skin of her back and the quiver of Kath's body as she touched her. Kath drew back briefly and reached for the buttons of Lily's blouse, asking, "'Can I?' Lily helped her unbutton it, and then Kath put her hand on the bare skin of Lily's waist, and Lily closed her eyes. Kath's hand slid up over her ribs and cupped the curve of her breast, and her thumb trailed electrically over the outline of Lily's nipple through her bra. And then she pushed her leg between Lily's thighs And Lily gasped at how it felt. The pressure and the movement there, it was exactly what she wanted. She was astonished by the way this worked between them so instinctively, as if they had been made to do this together. But Lily felt as if there were no time. She couldn't entirely forget that they only had an hour together. A desire for something more was rising inside her, as Kath moved against her, their skirts riding up as their bodies rubbed together. It felt urgent, as if they were counting down the seconds till a time bomb would explode. There was no time. They had to do this right now, and she reached for the hem of her skirt and tugged it up to her hips, and she took Kath's hand and moved it to the cleft of her body. Kath hesitated. "'Are you sure?' she whispered. "'Please,' Lily said, "'overcome.' So Kath put her hand between Lily's legs, and Lily helped her, fumbling for her underwear. It was awkward, but when Kath's fingers touched her, they both gasped. "'Am I in the right place?' Kath asked. "'Yes,' Lily whispered. "'It all felt like the right place.' Kath's fingers rubbed and rubbed, and it was so marvelous, so intoxicating. She'd never even really touched herself like this before. And now she was pinned against the side of a filing cabinet, and it made a dull metallic thud as her hand slapped against it. I'm sorry, she gasped, but she couldn't really be sorry because it was all happening so quickly, so unexpectedly and she clutched Kath close to her as the sensations took over, her body shuddering, and she pressed her face into Kath's neck until it was over. I don't know how any normal human adult could want this kind of trash available to children. Anyone who does is a child abuser. Please start to research and share information like this with impunity. As I said, Links are in the show notes. I want to get back to a topic I was talking about in the last episode that I've called the 80% problem. And if you saw that episode, you know what I'm talking about. But if you didn't, what it is is the fact that 80%, about 80% of Americans, um, are not engaged in the political process, are not aware of what's going on politically. And they get their news of any political activity from the mainstream media. They are not like many of you who are enlightened, who are seeking other information, verification, triangulation on what what you or we hear. And this becomes a problem because a lot of the things we know are true, they believe are conspiracy theories. For example, I would bet that if you did a public awareness poll that less than 50% of Americans would know what the World Economic Forum is or what the Great Reset is. I would bet that if you did a public awareness poll, less than 50% of Americans understand how ineffective the COVID vax really is and that there are side effects, some of them uh, lethal, causing death. Uh, There are... Americans who have no idea how corrupt Joe Biden is. And what's most frustrating about this is that his corruption and the corruption of his family has been documented for decades, yet the mainstream media doesn't focus on it. You might see a story in a Florida paper back in, you know, 1998, You might see a story in a magazine like The Atlantic in 2004, but these stories come and go and the mainstream media doesn't focus on them or stay on them or make people aware of them or educate people on them. Peter Schweitzer wrote a book that was released on January 21st, 2020. So it was prior to the 2020 election. And the book was called Profiles in Corruption. And in it, every chapter was about a different politician. I want to focus on the Joe Biden chapter. The interesting thing about this book is, as you start to read it and then try to validate it, everything that's in this book was public record prior to schweitzer writing it in other words it's not like he came up with any new primary evidence of corruption uh in the biden family You can literally go through every bit of corruption he talks about and validate it out in the press there are news stories about it there are articles in magazines there are uh uh, tv news uh, clips on it yet americans who rely on the mainstream media for their news and won't dig on this kind of thing and won't read a book like this or listen to a book like this, uh, never get this news. And this is the kind of news that, uh, a, a, a legitimate media would be covering. And then on top of that, when you do expose this kind of information to Americans, the, the, Insiders attack it by saying, well, Peter Schweitzer used to work for Breitbart, so he's got an axe to grind. He's a conservative activist. He's a right-wing activist. And and all I would say is we've got to find a way to get Americans to look at this kind of information because Joe Biden is literally the head of a crime family. He committed corruption by proxy. In other words, members of his family accepted the financial benefits on his behalf of his corruption. And it doesn't take much to figure this out when you have seen, we have seen texts and emails uh, by Hunter Biden that talk about 10% for the big guy. Money is going to the kids. Money is going to his brothers and sisters. And he is taking a cut. So I want to go through uh a summary that I did of the Joe Biden chapter of Profiles in Corruption and uh it was dated February 26, 2020, well before the election, right? Well before the election in November about Joe Biden's corruption. The the chapter first starts out that that Biden has been in politics since 1972 when he was elected to the US Senate. I mean, I was in grade eight at that time. So he's been there a long time. Joe has traded on his position in the Senate to juice a family-owned business of staggering proportions. At least five family members are involved. They include Hunter, daughter Ashley, brothers James and Frank, and sister Valerie. While Joe claims he has never spoken to these five about their business activities, based on what I'll summarize here, you will find out that that's impossible. His sisters and brothers were involved in all of his campaigns, and of course they were paid for their services. Joe's political career rapidly became the family business. In 1988, his presidential run was scuppered by allegations that he had plagiarized a speech from a British politician. He's plagiarized a lot of things. We know that. But most Americans don't. To the consternation of Senate colleagues, he often took votes contrary to the Democrat party line. Most could be tied directly to a member of his family, including, for example, a vote requiring credit card companies to provide better warnings about the perils of making only a minimum monthly payment. He is one of only five in his party to vote against this bill. Remarkably, at the same time, his son Hunter was receiving consulting fees from MBNA, a major Delaware credit card company. He had similar votes about asbestos liability while his son Bo was working for a law firm that handled asbestos cases. In 2021, his son Hunter, the crack-smoking pedophile profligate, became a lobbyist in D.C. and used Joe's committee positions to work the system. While in the Senate, Biden's family achieved significant financial benefits. Biden's sister Valerie was a partner in a political messaging firm that received large fees from the Biden campaign. And oh, by the way, Valerie was Joe Biden's campaign manager as well. Two and a half million in fees flowed to her company during the 2008 presidential campaign alone. Note that her company worked for Biden's campaigns over 18 years. Running as Obama's VP, now Biden's family graft could be raised to the international level. Hunter immediately formed companies to take advantage of Joe's new position as VP in 2009. Hunter flew on Air Force Two with Joe and cut deals in corrupt countries like Russia, Kazakhstan, and Ukraine. Hunter formed companies with Devin Archer and Chris Hines, stepson of John Kerry. Archer had been a roommate of Hines at Yale. On December 4, 2013, Hunter went to Beijing on Air Force Two with Joe Biden. Hunter disappeared in Beijing during the trip while his father met with Chinese officials. About 10 days after the trip, Hunter's company secured an unheard of first time deal with the Chinese government worth a billion dollars. The deal quickly grew to a billion and a half dollars, then, two billion dollars. This was to fund private equity investments. Hunter had no background in China and no background in private equity. Hunter's deal was direct with the Chinese government. The son of the VP of the U.S. was in business with the Chinese government. The company, BHR, Bohai Harvest RST, still operated on the day that Schweitzer released this book back in 2021. One of BHR's first investments was in China General Nuclear Power Corporation, or CGN, a nuclear energy company in China. In 2016, CGN was charged with espionage against the United States, as was a nuclear engineer who stole secrets from the U.S. BHR also bought out the U.S. precision machining company, Henage's with AVIC, a Chinese state-owned military contractor. Because Henages had products of military value, the deal had to be approved by the Obama administration, and it was. Hunter also did a deal with companies related to the Chinese Navy, Chinese shipping companies, and Chinese real estate companies. And the book also talks about the Biden's relationships with Patrick Ho, who was charged by the Justice Department with global corruption and bribery in 2017. We all know about the business deal Hunter was part of in Ukraine with Burisma. Hunter and his partner each paid $1 million over 12 months. We're just getting started talking about Biden family corruption. We'll get into more of it elsewhere in the world, like Hawaii, Costa Rica, and Florida in a subsequent episode. Until then, please share as much of this as possible, especially with your unenlightened friends. That's our show for today. Please subscribe to the Unite American show on Rumble or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Be sure to give us a like where you can. And please join our email list at unite.gfiohio.com that's unite.gfiohio.com. And follow me on Twitter at MPquita. That's at M-P-U-K-I-T-A. And please remember, unity without truth is conspiracy. Stay safe. I'll see you next week.